Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're in the business end of the Gagampod campaign. A couple of episodes to go as we find out who is going to make it into Europe, who is going to get relegated and who is coming up to the Premier League. David Wiener back with you this week, joined by our regular sparring partners since the presumption of the Premier League, Michael Bridges and Thomas Sorensen. There is a lot to talk about, so let's get stuck in. Boys, good to be back with you this week, Bridgie Thomas. Um, we'll start. We'll start with you, Thomas, because uh, you're back in lockdown in Melbourne. Just more importantly, how are you travelling? How are you going? No, we're going well. Um, obviously, uh, the measures have been put in place, and you, we need to get on top of this. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just great that uh, you can still watch football and, and follow the excitement and talk about it uh, from a distance, and uh, it doesn't interfere with our work, which is great. Exactly, and somehow, uh, yeah, we're able to follow European football still, like it's uh, like it's almost normal, so to speak. Bridgie, your background on our Zoom chat today is fitting, and I think that's where we'll kick off for something different. We welcome you in from Ellen Road. How are you, mate? Absolutely buzzing at the moment, Dave. Ellen Road, it is. Leeds United jersey is on. And everything to play for. Sitting top of the championship in a great position, 84 points. West Brom chasing them, along with Brentford, who are in inspired form, getting another win last night. So it's nail-biting stuff, mate, but I'm, I'm here, I'm wearing the gear, and I'm hoping that the Mighty Whites are back to the Premier League where they belong. All right, well, let's start with that while we're on, um, we're on the topic of the championship, because uh, a lot of people are sweating on whether we're going to see Leeds on Optus Sport next year. A great affinity to Leeds in Australia for obvious reasons. Um, we thought we might be talking promotion today when we first set up this podcast. It hasn't quite gone that way with Brentford continuing on to eight straight wins, I think it is, uh, in inspired form, as you said. For you, is the champagne on ice or are you nervous? How are you feeling? You're six points clear. Uh, Barnsley tomorrow, I think it is. How are you feeling? I'm nervous, Dave. It's been 16 years and you just never know what you're going to get. Every Leeds fan you speak to, I'm saying, are you celebrating yet? Are you, like you say, is it on ice? And they say, no, it's, I've got no fingernails left. I'm down to the bloody knuckles because they've been in similar situations in the past. It hasn't gone to plan. So until the actual, it's mathematically safe, then, you know, you've just got to hold on. Like you say, in the morning, it's Barnsley. That'll give them a, a six-point buffer over Brentford, who are sitting in third. But, you know, they're still on goal difference. Brentford have got a phenomenal goal difference over Leeds United. So I think it's about nine nine goals that they have on the advantage. I really yeah. I really hope that it's done in the Derby game because the last game of the season for Leeds is Charlton Athletic. And Lee Boyer's return would be catastrophic if mm. that was the result that cost them the promotion and somehow Brentford managed to sneak in. So... 
I'd rather be sitting where Leeds are at this moment in time, Dave. They're on top. Bielsa and the team we put on an inspired performance um, to get a result against Fulham. It wasn't the prettiest result, but it was a win. And then the the game against Swansea, where it was a you know a, a massive result, it was a goal fest. That that was huge for them at home. So I th- I think it is done and dusted. And Leeds fans will hate me for saying that, but I I think they're back, Dave. I think they're going to get the top two spots. Thomas, you've worn no one's waited four months to resume a season, but other than that, you've walked in these shoes before. Can you, with Sunderland, um, can you talk us through the emotions, the tension, um, the feeling in the, 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 that you get for the, for the t- city around you, both as you wait for that moment and then you clinch it? You know, but it's a, it's a massive build-up and, and that's where the championship, I think, is special. You know, it's such a tough league to get out of. Uh, so many games, you know, they... They, you know, you, you play more or less Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for, for most of the season because you enter the Cups early as well. And um, and, and you can sense it. Like Sunderland, when we got promoted, uh, me and Bridgie, you know, it's a similar place to Leeds. You know, Leeds has that fanatic support, the history, um, and the expectations, everything else. Um, and and um, it's, it's a special thing to be part of. And I, I can put myself in, in the, the shoes of the Leeds players now. Obviously... You know, with the things that's happened in the past, the near misses, I think it's 16 years since they were in the mm-hmm. Premier League. So um, I'm on Bridges' uh, side that I think they'll do it this year. I think that actually what's worked well for Bielsa, where he's worn his team teams out potentially in the years past, mm-hmm. I think the, the break and the, the virus break uh, has actually worked in their favour. They've come out fresh, uh, ready to go, and... Uh, I think uh, they'll clinch it. I don't think... Uh, I, I actually fear more for, for West Brom than I do for Brentford. Yeah. Totally agree. And Dave, as you can see by my virtual background, the ones that obviously can't and are just listening, Tommy has got a big bottle of champagne there. You can tell he doesn't like celebrating much. And I've got to say, it's probably the only thing he didn't drop during the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Hey, um, Tom mentioned Marcelo Bielsa, Bridget. Can you tell us... Do you agree with that assessment? Because... Um, when you look through his career, that was always the theme, the stereotype that his teams did drop off. Um, this is going to be the biggest achievement of his club career in Europe too. Can you talk us through that journey to where he has got the club right now and the impact he's had on Leeds the club and Leeds the city? The impact's been, been huge, Dave. I think the hardest thing for him in the initial phase was to get his team involved, his backroom staff. That was a, a massive thing for you know, Andre, Victor and Paul Bell at the club and uh, Angus Kinnear to say, do we have this kind of financial clout to bring his whole team in? It might cost us a few players um, because it was a massive financial thing and it's just proven. I think Victor had chased him for many years before he was even at Leeds United as the um, you know, chief scout and enrollment guy in recruitment. So to get Bielsa, that was the final piece of their jigsaw, I felt, because I'd seen them work behind the scenes. The money had been spent on the um, the, le- the lounges, the sponsors, to get the, the money back involved behind the scenes, because Allen Road was a fall- falling apart behind the scenes. It was a shambles. They spent the money in the right areas. This following season, they had a plan to put investment into the playing squad. And they had a three-year vision to get hold of Bielsa that missed out previously. So it, it was there and it was just great to see um, the club actually having this vision, having a strategic plan. I didn't get to know whether they did have a plan B or not, if they didn't get Bielsa. But I'll tell you what, what he has done has been brilliant. He's, he's won the fans over. He's, he's given the club, I feel, a whole 
holistic view now of how football at a club should be played. So it's not just who the manager is. He, he's coming, I think, and giving them a playing style. There's no doubt about it. It's the Bielsa way. But he's also, you know, what the play, the coaches at the lower levels have learned, what the players at the lower levels have learned, they're all playing the same style because it's an easier transition at the first team. My worry is, if they hadn't got promoted this season, Bielsa went, mm. what state would Leeds have been in? Would it have been a quick grab, another manager? Or would they have got somebody in that can try and follow the style of this man? Because the fans have embraced it, the players have embraced it. And thankfully, I'm hoping that this is the year they get in the Premier League and he's going to have a crack in the Premier League and he's going to surprise a lot of teams the way they do it, if and when they get up. But he's, he's just given the whole club a whole... Just a lift in general, Dave, and I'm taught he could leave, he's leaving a legacy behind, whether he's, he's here um, for another three or four years or whether he's here for one more season. Who, who, who knows? But he's definitely left a legacy, and I think the club are in a far better position after having Bielsa at the helm. Yeah, well, Seb, well, when you think about the legacies left in Europe, just in the fact of you know Guardiola and Pochettino, his disciples, what they've done in the Premier League, imagine if he can come up to the Premier League and make a mark himself. We won't get carried away because... If or when it does happen, we'll talk more at length about you know what happens next for Leeds. But I just want to know what the what the inner sanctum's saying. What's the chat amongst the uh, the former players, the Leeds community? Um, how much does the next week mean to all of you guys? Because it's been so long and a club that means so much to so many people. Yeah, I mean, I've been texting Ian Hart. We've had a chat with Gary Kelly. We've had um, you know the lads have been getting together. Darren Hookerby. It's the thing that we're gutted about is that we can't all be there with the fans to celebrate because the Legends Lounge was there. You're always welcome back. You're looked after on game days. You go and meet the sponsors and the fans in the boxes. And the club has, again, transformed that. If you'd have gone back for six years, players would have been barred and banished, uh, the ex-players. It was almost like we were held accountable for the decline of the club when it was totally out of our hands. So another thing that Andre recognised, you need them players and ex-players uh, and the other, the other thing I think it's sentiment, Dave, is um, Jack Charlton, you know, one of the most capped players in Leeds' history, sadly passed away recently. Mm, mm, mm. Passed away with COVID. This would just be the icing on the cake to, to get them back the year after the centennial, you know, and, and everything that has gone on. So the, the players have been talking. We're just all devastated. We can't be there to celebrate. But I'll tell you what, it's just brought back so many fond memories to jump on the bandwagon. It's, it, you know, I don't support Leeds. I'm a Spurs fan. But when you've had so many years at a club, uh, and you've played in front of them fans, you, you've, it's got a place in my heart forever until the day that I die as well because of the, the value and the, the things that it gave me in life. Well said, well said. Now, 84 points. Thomas, you mentioned West Brom, 82 points. Brentford, 81 points. Fulham, 77. Nottingham Forest, 70. Cardiff, 67. And just below that, Millwall knocking on the door on 65. Which way do you see it swinging? Brentford seem that that's a remarkable story. Uh, I think it's obviously there's a bit of Danish interest there with Thomas Frank uh, at the helm, and um, yeah, you know, eight wins in a row, potentially, you know, ten ten wins. Well, I think we talked about it a few weeks back so, uh, as an impossibility that they would do it. Uh, I think now looking at what they've got left, I think it's it's highly possible, and uh, I, I would you know love to see them. Uh, you know, go up. I think you know they played some some really exciting football, um, a good philosophy, a little bit what Bridget said about Leeds. I think uh, they have got uh, things going for them. Um, you know, as a as a club, uh, stadium changes, 
Um, uh, and, and just there seems to be a big plan in place. You know, I think we'll touch a little bit later about Hull, where you see the opposite. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, it just shows that if you put the right work in on and off the field, you, you get the right people in place. You, 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 you have a plan for two or three years um, and, and then go ahead and trust the implementation of that. You know, it's it, it gives you a great base for success, and and uh, Brentford uh, uh, and Leeds as well is a huge example of that. Perfect, uh, perfect segue to you, Bridgie. Uh, how uh, is Neil Wigan eight, Wigan a team that's dealing with exceptional off-field turmoil um, after they were put into administration and uh, you know trying to avoid relegation through a twelve-point penalty, perhaps. Um, what what what's that all about? Dave, it's, it's just shambolic. I mean, I've been listening to a few of the lads that I've played with. Dean Windass has been um, taught in the UK, just saying <clears throat> the players have got to be held accountable, as has Gavin McCann. And Dean Windass has put his hand up and said, I'll actually manage his team for free <laughs> to, to try and get them out. I think it's, a, <laughs> it, it's just when you're getting drums 7 0, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere where I don't want it to be sound dodgy or implicate anybody but there's been a lot of things that have been going on I'm going to go on to Wigan now with the ownership of Wigan with that possible you know the deduction of points have they gone into financial fair play mm. there's been a lot of stuff around I don't know if you've seen it regarding the the gambling the takeover that has gone on there they don't know where the money is who owns the club at the moment there's a lot of stuff going on with Wigan now they're coming up against a team in Hull who are fighting for allegation and you're getting beat 7-0 at halftime. There's something not right there, mate. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying there's been anything done untowards, but there's something amiss. Now, the, the players, that's the biggest loss, 8-0 in Hull's history, in, I think, in, in 100-odd years. It's, it's horrendous. And the other guy that came out was Phil Brown. He said that he should have done the halftime team talk that he did, Gavin McCann. And I'm thinking, no, they shouldn't, mate, because you dressing room and you've, you've never recovered from that there's a that needs a massive clear out I've got to say from top from top to bottom the the owners the Allens have got to got to do something I think McCann is going to learn a lot from this experience in his managerial career I just think the players have thrown him under the bus mate they haven't given him what he's after and I don't think that he his personality I think is too nice in this situation um, I don't think he's going to be one of them that will make heads roll so he's going to learn a lot from this, but I think the, the players have completely thrown him under the bus and let, let him down because um, that, was, that was nothing short of disgust. And however, I will say that the, the Wigan only had nine shots and they scored eight goals. So they were clinical as well. But um, <laughs> it leaves a lot to be desired, mate, when that's happening. Um, I think there's something untowards has gone on there, Dave. I've got to be honest. Yeah, but it's some of the things that I, I hear coming out, you know, you, you just hear that, yeah, there's been talks about the sale of, of the club uh, hole I'm talking about. And, and, uh, you know, dodgy dealings. It seems like unprofessional uh, ownership, you know, again, from the start with a name change, uh, you know, they're, they're not you know, going away from concession prices at the stadium. So you, you alienate your fan base. Um, dodgy, you know, just dealings with players, um, not renewing contracts, uh, you know, Jackson Irvine, uh, Lehigh, I think as well, uh, of late. And, and it's just, it's just been a downward spiral over... A long period ever since Steve Bruce fell out with the ownership as well. I think in 2016. So, so ever since then, it's just been one way, and now it's just come to a, a point where you know it's <laughs> there's not really a, a way back other than down in the potentially in the League One. It's their next game. If, if there's any chance you need to redeem yourself, it's the next game. It's against Luton, their bottom of the league, 
And if if they don't rectify that, then you know they, they deserve to be in Division One. The players have got a massive, and the manager itself and the club have got a massive incentive now to go and put that right at at home. The only the only saving thing for for Hull is they don't have to play in front of their home fans against Luton because they would be bombarding them after the last results. So it's um, it's going to be very interesting. It's in their it's in their hands, and they've, like I said, they've got them, and then they've got Cardiff, which will be a tough game. But they've got to get a win against. Um, against Luton. Yeah, a result that certainly caused headlines. Before we move back up to the Premier League, um, from you guys, who you think will go up, but who you'd also, who you'd like to see go up as well, if that differs um, from the other uh, answer. Oh, away, Tommy. <laughs> uh, I, again, I think that the automatic, I would uh, I'd love to see Leeds or Brentford, like I mentioned before. Um, and I think... Um, you know, I think West Brom will do well in the playoffs. Um, you know, they they have a strong side. Billich has got them, you know, you know, playing well this season. Uh, you know, not blowing blowing the league apart, but but just being being really solid. So uh, so I tip those three uh, um, in in the um, in the playoffs and and automatic. You know me, David. Leeds United champions celebrate like me and Tommy did. Go absolutely mental for a couple of weeks. Um, and then I'm going to say Brentford will pip West Brom. I would like to see them. Tommy said it, new stadium, good style of football. And then you got the playoffs. I'm hoping, I would love to see. It's a team I'm, I used to love watching. I admired for many years as Nottingham Forest. They've got a cracking stadium. They've got great history and they're in the playoffs. I would love to see them get back. And I think it's Des Walker's son actually plays for them as well. The ex-England Defender, I think I might be wrong. I'm sure I saw that his boy scored a goal for them. So I would love to see them get back as well. That'd be a romantic trio. That would certainly have lots of storylines going around them and feel good factor if they are in the Premier League next year. You look at the teams around them. We've already seen Fulham in there. They had a crack. They spent the money. They're in there with, you know, Cardiff. I don't want to see them back up there. Millwall, nah, get out. Fulham, nah. West Brom, nah. Give it a Forest. Forest or Forest or Swansea if they get a chance to get in there. Yeah, I hear something different. Now, when they come up, they'll be facing teams like uh, Liverpool and Arsenal. Probably a Liverpool team more motivated than they were today, but still a great result for Arsenal coming from uh, 1-0 down. Alexander Lacazette, Reese Nielsen um, punishing Thomas, Virgil van Dijk and Alisson. What did you make of this morning? Very goalkeeper. Uh, uh, nah, again, it, it's a typical, uh, you know, champions winning, yeah. you know, nod off, really. Uh you know, the first goal, the, 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 just the throw-in. It's a silly bouncing ball back to Allison. Uh, or was it the second goal? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're a keeper and you face that sort of ball, you know, you just got to play the percentages. It's got to go in the stand because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a horrible ball to get back. Uh, and then, obviously, Van Dijk, you know, claiming there was a bit of a pull, but it's just lack of concentration. And, and you know, Liverpool season, in, in some respect, is, is over. And... Uh, uh, yeah, he, and you you can't blame them, and and uh, Arsenal benefited. They needed the points, so you know you you, you can only take what's given to you. And, and fair play to Arsenal, the, the two chances uh, well taken, good goals, solid finishes, um, and and that's how it goes. That is the, the two men that you would have least expected yeah. mistakes in that game. They've been the most inspirational mm. players all season, I think. And the you know the Catalan behind it in in the goalkeeper and Van Dijk as well. So you know it it's. It was a harsh moment. The two two mistakes have cost them. Like Tommy says, you, you've won the league, you've won the title. It, 
it's how Klopp gets them to get stimulated for the games. You've got yeah, you've got the you know the um, the records to break and all that. But at the end of the day, they, their their job is done, and I can just see there was just a little bit of complacency creeping in uh, and overplaying when normally they should put the ball like Tommy says where you're sitting, Dave. Secret agent Mikel Arteta makes sure that uh, Pep Guardiola keeps his record as the only man to have steered a team to 100 points um, in the Premier League, which is, a, which is a great effort by them. I think in a way, for me, watching Allison and Van Dijk do that today, you go, they had 35 games in this season where they could have made similar mistakes. In a way, for me, it was like it highlighted their level of concentration and professionalism and ability to cope with pressure when the stakes were really high, because at the end of the day, they're, they're, they are human and you can still do that. So for me, I was like, that just shows how high their standards were to not do anything like that for 35 weeks. But on the flip side, Thomas Arsenal, um, North London Derby was difficult for them. It wasn't a great game, but between that and here, you know, we've bagged them a bit on this show, but, there's certainly signs of Mikel Arteta putting his imprint on this side, isn't there? Yeah, no, I, th- I think they're definitely playing playing better football, um, and I think you 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 can see players just growing in belief. Um, I think that's what we, you know, uh, criticised them for a little bit uh, earlier. Um, you know, that under the previous manager, that some players were. You know, we're not 100% in it. Uh, I think now they can see a direction, uh, especially going into uh, to next season. Obama Yang hasn't ruled out that he's, he's going to stay. So, so all those things are positive. And, and Arteta, I think, uh, cleverly this week has gone out and, and said that, uh, you know, now it's up to the club to, to back him heavily in the transfer market. Now, now it's the time to push on. Uh, and, and he knows himself that next season, you know, will it be his big judgment? Um, you know, he, he needs to do something. He needs to get into the Champions League at, at least next season. And um, and he needs he needs strengthening. Um, you know, again, I still think we've talked about it. The, you know, the, the back line, you know, uh, is David Luiz, is the, the spine there to actually be a contender to, to, to actually push Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea and, and Man United, who, you know, those two teams look on the up and, and Arsenal will have to overcome them. And I think uh, there, there, need, there needs to be some additions to it. He got exposed again this morning. The goal that Liverpool scored in Marnie, I felt like David Luiz has gone out of that central position in behind his, his defensive midfielder and his fullback. And he's, he's gone into that area where he, he didn't need to go because the danger is the middle man that he left, left wide open. So again, there's question marks about his ability to defend. But yet again, it's the only thing I feel that Arteta has got wrong since he's come in and taken over. He's trying to clean the culture up. Like Tommy says, you give them a, a new lease of life and a playing style. But when you've got a player like David Luiz and he's getting new deals, I just find that staggering because I think he's absolutely carnage for them and he's going to cost them again next season unless he plays in a defensive midfield role. Well, how, just in terms of recruitment, though, does the gravitas of a club like Arsenal prevail even if they're not in Europe? I mean, they've got arguably the FA Cup is their clearest chance of getting in there. They've got Manchester City, uh, Master versus Apprentice this weekend. Uh, Manchester United, Chelsea is the other semi. They're relying on other results on the table to get back into the Europa League. Um, so, Thomas, how hard is it to go out and convince people to come to a club like Arsenal if you don't have Europe to offer? Yeah, uh, you know, and I think that prices you out of the, the top end of the market. You know, like, 
you know, because the players with, with huge ambition, you know, are not going to, I think, are not going to choose you if you're not in, you know, <laughs> you, you want to be in the Champions League, but at least in Europe. And um, so it makes it just harder. You know, it's, it's, it's a longer route. You know, Arsenal got, you know, they got a great stadium, great fans. Um, you know, they got a great history. So, so that, that counts for something. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's been too long for them to, to be in the, you know, in the dumps, really not winning anything. And I don't think, looking at the FA Cup and who's left, I, I can't see them winning that as well. So, you know, I don't think that, you know, honestly, that there'll be European football for them uh, next season. And that, that's going to be a bit of a, a stumbling block for Arteta and, 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 a, and a possible spending spree. Currently between Sheffield United and Burnley on the table. I think that's a pretty good scene setter for the work he's got to do. I'm smiling, Dave. I love that. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's honestly amazing. And we'll talk about those other clubs in a second. But just to end off on, on Arsenal, you obviously would have watched the North London derby, Bridgie. Um, and, and the only thing out of that I thought was interesting was they've now the last three goals they've scored have actually come from a really energetic sort of press that's put pressure on their opponents. Um, do they have, when you talk about recruitment, we know, we know, we know the defence. He needs to clean that up. Do they have the players in their stock at the moment to play the way Arteta wants to in terms of on the ball midfield? And, and obviously they've got attacking riches up top, more so in midfield. Or is that another area where he has to go hard in the market if he can? No, I mean, if they, what, what's the, the speculation with Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, you know, the boy Nelson's come on. I think they've got an abundance of pace and energy, Dave, to play the style that he wants to play, not only if they want to sit back. I think uh, I remember the game that the, when I first saw a change in the style, it was against your team, Chelsea, when he dropped the two players to sit on Kante and Jorginho in that midfield mm. and just let the centre-halves have it. So he's, he's got that nice problem because then what it was, it was trying to pick the ball up and counter-attack. So the players are learning this press. And if they get the press right, what you've got to have in the press, you've got to have an understanding, you've got to have a communication. Everybody's got to be on the same page. So when that one person goes and it activates the trigger, as we call it, the whole team go and pounce together. And I think that's what I've seen a difference there, all on a, a, a different and a better understanding of when to go and do it and how Arteta wants them to do it. Mm -hmm. And you need legs for that. And that's what they've got in abundance. And he's given the youngsters a go as well. And they've picked it up brilliantly. So I think Arsenal are sitting in a very, very good, not position in the league, but a very uh, much different scenario under Arteta. And it's a test for his management, like you said, on how he persuades them players to come to the club as well mm. under the circumstances if they don't get into Europe. So it's, it's credit to the club for getting him in and taking a punt on him because I, I think he's given them a new lease of life. Bit higher up the table, Thomas. Wolves, 56 points. Uh, a real sucker punch by Burnley this morning. Deep into stoppage time, a controversial penalty. Chris Wood converts. It's one all. Burnley have lost one in 14. If you look at the table in 2020, Burnley are third behind Liverpool and Manchester City. It's really remarkable. Um, first up, we'll touch with Wolves. Champions League, gone. Uh, I think so. <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, you look at Man United and Leicester and Chelsea, I think they'll find it out for, for the fourth spot. And now with the verdict on Man City, I think the, you know, the chances have gone. Um, you know, I think they, again, it was a huge uh, miss this morning. Um, again, you, you said controversial penalty. You know, for me, it might as well have gone in the, in the books of dangerous play. You know, he, he had his foot in his face and he was protecting himself mm. and it hits mm. his arm. You know, which way does it go? Um, obviously, in that situation, it's benefited the, the striker. 
Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I thought they were both actually. <laughs> but but the sort of things uh, in tight games, and um, you know, that, that's what you know Burnley has been really good at, and Sean Dice has turned around. You know, just just been grinding out results, playing. You know, really hard to beat, um, and, and uh, that fighting spirit, never say die, and just again, probably not playing their the best football or, or being sort of really pl- pleasant on the eye, but but just getting it done and and uh, fair fair play and being as he said third, <laughs> you know, for, for the last uh, six months is is amazing. I'll give you my take on the difference between the two teams, please, Dave. If Burnley were playing in my back garden. I would close my curtains. I wouldn't want to watch them. Simple as that, right? If Wolves were out there, I'd pay $1,000 to watch them because this, the, the, I just love the finesse and the flair of their players. Again, we saw Troy pick the ball up for, for one of the goals and he just ran, ran at the heart of the defence like a, an NFL player without the yeah. armor guards on. He's, he's, a, he's a freak when he gets going like that and falls straight. And then the, the finish from Jimenez, the, the goal that uh, Jota or Navas scored throughout the season, they've just been brilliant. They're a joy to watch. Um, and like I say, for Burnley, I just I, I couldn't watch that week in, week out. And um, that's the difference between the two teams. And I feel for Wolves because I thought they would have pushed them. But like Tommy said, I think it's Man United. They've got Crystal Palace. I think they're going to pick um, Leicester to get that Champions League spot. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about Burnley because, um, yeah, they've done nothing in that entire game, really. But they've also got no players. They've got six, seven players on the injury list. Um, we know famously they played Manchester City where they did get thrashed, but they had to fill two goalkeepers on a shortened bench. Um, the club didn't re-sign a lot of players in time to uh, keep them for this part of the season. Um, is Sean Dice? I've seen a bit of chatter going, you know, he's done so well with them. It's time for him to move on, look at bigger and better things. Is he Burnley manager personified or do you think he's got another string to his bow or he could, he could sharpen up another club? I think you need to then look deeper into, you know, I don't think the character of the man and, you know, he's been clever in this situation and what he's done at Burnley is recognizing, you know, the strengths, weaknesses, and then you build a game plan around it. I think looking at him going to a bigger club, bigger expectations, like Bridget said, another expectations of playing style, um, that's where my question mark comes in. Is he a manager that has that in him? Or has he just been really, really clever and sharp, uh, you know, actually fitting uh, the uh, playing style to what he's been given at, at Burnley? Uh, and, and that's where I doubt that he's a manager that, that can suddenly go, uh, you know, you know to, to a rising club and, and, and take over and transform that club with a, an exciting playing style. And, and you know... I'm, I'm, I'll look more at Eddie Howe as a, as a manager who, who would be potentially better at that than, than Sean Dunn. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
place, but but he's got his place and he's shown that you know it's amazing, uh, you know what he's done. Again, it depends on what club are looking for a manager that wants to play that grind out results and keep them in a division or, you know, where they've gone this season. Like when Tommy, Tommy's a hundred percent spot on about Eddie Howe having a, a philosophy and a style of play that he can go and implicate that in teams where the fans are going to embrace and go, oh, hang on, this is going to be exciting. So not a bigger club per se. He's not going to a bigger club per se. No, I mean, if I see, if I see, I'm looking in the in the Premier League now, and I see where does where would um, you know the Ginger Mourinho go to? I'm I'm looking at a Crystal Palace, possibly uh, the turmoil that West Ham have been in, and and Watford. Is there anybody else in that division? I don't I don't see that. I don't see him him giving any of them a, a different dimension that can enhance them. Interesting stuff. What about uh, what about Spurs? The Ginger the Ginger Mourinho or the real Mourinho? Um, now I asked you a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> would you rather be and, and then you laughed at me because of the sheer prospect of me asking you, would you rather be a Spurs fan or an Arsenal fan? So I'm going to rephrase that and go, at the moment, so you've got the 3-1 win today at Newcastle, a game where Newcastle had seven shots before Spurs even had their first. Um, North London Derby, we know all about the possession stats there. I'm, I'm not asking you now about whether or not Spurs are a better chance of making Europe and all that. I'm asking you now, long-term or next season, how do you feel? Would you rather place your um, your your club's future in a Mourinho or an Arteta? Oh, all day long, an Arteta, all day long, and that yeah, definitely because it's um, he he's a he's a he's come through under the Pep system. He he has got a you know the, he's he's with the times. I still think Mourinho has served his served his purpose. Don't get us wrong; what he has won is is incredible. I just don't think he's evolved his style of play where it's kept up with that kind of attacking feel good factor. And when you get it right, you're going to get it right, like he did it into Milan. The grind out results. He's, he's shown that in the past when he's done it with Chelsea. I just think that a manager's in the football has evolved um, where he can't compete to win the title anymore. Uh, he, you know, he won it with Manchester United, the European Cup. But he's again, he's just had a go at the European Cup, saying who wants to win that. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's frightening some of the stuff that he, he he does come out with. But you can't deny anything he's done, Dave. But I'm I'm taking Arteta all day long because I believe he is where football belongs at this moment in time in the in the world. And he's he he's, he thinks outside the boxes. You could tell what he was doing as soon as he took over as well at Arsenal. When he went and saw the coaching staff, he was going, where's the drone? Where's the cameras in the training park? Who does the analysis? He, he, he's, he's looked at the, the whole picture. He's not just gone in there as, oh, I'm, a, I'm a, an ex-fan's favourite and a good player. He, he knows exactly what he's doing there. Can they make Europe, Thomas? What, this year? Yeah. I suppose? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think this weekend would... Uh, you know, there, there's some big games. Obviously, Sheffield United uh, at Leicester. Um, I think that that will play a big part. Uh, who's Spurs playing uh, this weekend? Spurs have oh. got. Who's <laughs> know that Ooh. one? Spurs yeah, have got Palace. Now, Leicester and Palace still to come. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's in their hands. Um, you know, to to get at least into to the Europa League. Uh, so that Leicester game is going to be huge. Yeah, you know, it, it'll be huge for, for, for both of them because you could see Leicester sliding uh, as well and uh, Spurs can still catch them. So that it could all be on, on the line. And, and hopefully for us as a, a spectators, it will be. But uh, yeah, I think they'll make Europe. I think they'll scrape in, um, stay, stay above, uh, you know, Arsenal. And um, yeah, 
So, but uh, I agree with Bridget. I think Arteta is, is doing a, a much better job and, and, and would be much, you know, much more, you know, likely to succeed over two or three years than uh, Mourinho. I know it was a few days ago, Bridget, but just I'm really curious from a Spurs fan perspective. Did you enjoy the North London derby? <sighs> Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, come on, what kind of question is that one? That was the answer. The answer was right there. <laughs> no, no, it, it's a win. It's a win. Any Anybody loves a win over their team, but it, it wasn't inspired, but it, it's it's a victory. So I, I can't, I've seen the, the, the better games. They've, they've always been entertaining games. I just felt like this was a bit of a, uh, it, it's, it's the, the, way, the way Spurs are playing at the moment just doesn't excite us. I was delighted that Harry Kane got two goals. Uh, in Son in, in the game against Newcastle. But again, like you say, started off terribly, didn't really go and put the onus on them and, and have a crack. So it's it, it's a win. It's a it's it's the London Derby. Of course you're gonna be happy, but nah, it wasn't it wasn't inspired. It's not often I see you lost for words, Bridget. I'm sorry to send you a curly a curly one. <laughs> I tell you what, from the master to the apprentice or the, the future to the past, Frank Lampard. Uh, there's not much to say about Chelsea Norwich, and we spoke about Chelsea in depth a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's interesting what's happening there, Thomas, because they've really fallen off. They're, 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 there's, we know they've got defensive frailties, but the attack has really stifled in the last few weeks. Do you th- they probably might hang on, but equally they might not pick up another point this season. Like, What's your read on Chelsea? Yeah, it's it's been interesting to to sort of follow because you know just going back a, a month, you know everything was was free flowing and 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 now it just seems to have falling apart. You know they're not creating enough, they're, they're not scoring enough, um, and that 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 was you know the excitement. Uh, now Giroud ducked them out, uh, you know yesterday, uh, and he's done that too many times, I think. Uh, you know. And, and it just seems like now they're just sat, sat back and they're just waiting for, for obviously Timo Werner and Sayek to come in for next season and oh, that's going to be the big change for them but you know it's still hugely important that they make the Champions League for Lampard as well for the club's future and for, for everything that he's trying to build and you know potentially you know the, you know with, with Leicester playing Man United playing you know they, they, they could be under the caution and as you say not make it uh, and that, I, I think that would be a disaster from where he's come from. We talked about, I think, last week that, you know, actually going back uh, at the beginning of the season or even, you know, it, he's done a great job. But expect- and the signs have been there now regressing at the business end of the season. It, it's, it, it's, not, uh, it's, not a great, uh, it's not a great sign for, you know, for potentially management and whatever's going on there. I've got to say though, I've I've really enjoyed as a neutral watching Chelsea matches because it's been a goal fest. You've never known what way it's going to go. Are they going to keep a clean sheet? How many they're going to concede? How many they're going to score? I think that inconsistency of not knowing or not having the balance of where they're at, Dave, at this moment in time, it's just been too hitty missy. Um, but they've been thoroughly enjoying the game. I mean, Palace three-two. You look at Sheffield United getting beat three-nil, beating Watford three-nil, three-two defeat to West Ham. It's four-nil win over West uh, over Everton. It's just in the previous. You just never know what they're going to do this season. It, it's it's been a weird season, and I think the the quicker they can get on to this, you know, the, to the Champions League game that they've they've got, um, can they turn that deficit over? I don't believe they can. It's move on to next season. Get ready for the new players and. 
And I, I think if they're stronger at the back defensively, going forward, they've got no issues whatsoever. They've just got to get that consistency at the back. Well, you didn't watch the Norwich game because that was the worst game I've seen since, well, besides Everton Tottenham was the worst <laughs> game I've seen since Knockdown. All that exciting because of that game. <laughs> horrendous. That was, that was uh, awful. Sheffield United the week before wasn't great as well. No, they got the three goals, but wasn't. <laughs> um, mentality of the players. Just one more on them. It's interesting that Lampard's the latest to question the mentality of the Chelsea players. Asari did it. Uh, we know what Mourinho and Conte did. It's kind of a different crop of players now, Thomas, but it's interesting that it's another Chelsea manager that's gone back down that line. They do lack a real talisman, don't they? Is that something they need to address in the off-season too? Yeah, sometimes you need that off on the field leadership. You need you need one. They have a lot of young players, and sometimes you can you can lack a little bit bit of direction at times, especially over a long season. A lot of games, uh, some players can drift off, and 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 you need that rallying cry from from someone or from a, a few players in the team. And 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 you do question uh, if they have that. You know, is a uh, William? Is he a, a leader? Off the park, you know who who is it, and and I think you look at other teams, you know especially the the, the you know the successful teams, the Liverpools, uh, Man Cities, you know you can sort of pinpoint, you know even Leicester, you pinpoint two or three players in that team that that you say these are the ones that that they'll grab the others by the the scruff of the neck if they're not doing it, and uh, you know and I think that's potentially what uh, you know what Lampard needs to find. He needs to find someone uh, or, or or a group of players that that. Can, can sort of rally everyone around him. And yeah, he, he, there must be something about it since he's, since he's gone out there and, and, uh, and said something. Tommy, do you think there's a few players that are worried for their, uh, thinking about their futures rather than the club? I think there always is. Um, you know, I think that's, that's the direction the, the, the game is, is moving. I think, uh, you know, the players in, in general are becoming a lot more selfish and, and there's a lot more about them than it is about the club. And, and that, that can be a disturbance. Um, and I think, especially, I think, you know, looking back at my career, when you're younger, you're easily swayed. You, you, you know, you, you, your thoughts can be at times all over the place. As you get older, you get more stable, you know, you, on and off the park. And, uh, and, um, and, and with a group of, of young players, you know, you'll have that. It, it, it can swing the dressing room, the, the, you know, the, the people talk. Uh, you've got people in your ears. Uh, and that can change people's mindset very quickly. Interesting stuff. Well, the hot on their heels are Manchester United, and uh, somehow Southampton did. My, my two favourite teams at the moment are Bournemouth and Southampton after what they did to Leicester and Manchester United over the last couple of days because it kept Chelsea somehow in the top four. Um, I thought it was interesting, Bridgie, because Manchester United have been sensational. We know that. We've said that on this show for many weeks now, and, and their second goal was just... I've watched that that many times. It was just wonderful. But it was interesting when Southampton up the ante and put a bit of pressure on them. It, it, it showed that Manchester United still can be got at and, and, they, and they struggled a little bit under that pressure. Yeah, and I think that's... Um, Hassan Hüttel has been... You know, there's a lot of praise considering when we go back to that 9-0 defeat. He, he could have quite easily blown a gasket and, and so could the club as well. Was it 8-0 or 9-0? 9-0. Uh, frightening to think. So for him to settle the ship and get back to doing what they believe in, uh, he knows the he knows the gig and press. They play a very similar style. He's got that kind of background, as, as the same as Klopp, and I think he, he's got the players on the same page. And like you say, when you get it right, that can hurt a lot of teams. Uh, and Man United was shown that they were vulnerable. 
Uh, and I like the, the fact that he didn't give them any credit. They'd been playing outstanding football. Man United were in great form. And he didn't go, you know what it is? Today we're going to change up. We're going to sit back. We're going to invite the pressure. We'll catch him on the counter. No, no. We'll stick to what I believe is the best philosophy for this football club and the way that I coach. And we're going to go at them. And fair play, brilliant. They got, they got a result out of it. And I think there's a lot more teams should throw caution at the wind when they come up against um, the, the bigger the bigger team, should we say, because I know you can leave yourself very vulnerable. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a crack, players are very good when they've got time and space. I was one of the best when I could get my head up and play and see. There's nothing worse than when you're put under pressure and your head is ha- your head's down at the ground. You can hear somebody running to close you down. You've got to think quicker. You've got a quicker thought process. Uh, there's nothing worse. The the pressure on the ball, I, I think, is invaluable. It's when when you 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 can allow you, Dave Weiner, on a five-a-side field to have five yards around you and you'll get your head up and you'll be able to find a pass. It, it's it's. Attack would still be like a goal kick. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, it, it's and that's what that's why they they found out Man United at the back. They said we're going to have a crack, we're going to press because there's it's it's there's nothing worse to be fair. Yeah, interesting stuff. We'll see how that transpires. That last day game against Leicester is a it's going to be almost like a grand final on that final day. Um, Leicester are just absolute free for all. Um, Brendan Rodgers has questioned them. Um, Mark Schwartz actually interestingly said on the two sharp reds that he thinks there's some issues in the dressing room there. Things aren't all going to plan. Um, and there's a, an excellent analysis on the Optisport app um, by one of our columnists on what's gone wrong with Leicester. Um, can you put your finger on it, Thomas? Uh, I, I think they've just, you know, in general, just been overachieving. Um, you know, you know, you look at look at their season. They they had a, a fantastic start. I think things went for them early. You know, Vardy was in in great form. I think he scored so it was a 16 from 16 games, and 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 he's dropped off. You know, they 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 got ahead in in a lot of games early on uh, in the season, and and it suits the way they're playing. You know, the the, the counter attack, the quick breaks. Uh, and that hasn't happened of late. You know, they they've been behind, or it's been in it's been a lot tighter. Um, so so, you know, I think from the restart, it, it just potentially some problems. Uh, players not on the same page, and um, and I think for for a team like Leicester, who's you know who's who's not got the same squads as Liverpool, Man City, even Man United, Spurs. You know, things needs to click, and and as soon as a few sort of uh, bad things happen and, and um, you know they're a lot more vulnerable and I think that's, that's what we're seeing uh, they're just not doing as well as we expected from early in the season uh, and again at, at the wrong time they're, they're dropping off and uh, uh, it's just not falling their way and I agree with Swartzy on his comments as well when I was reading about it just saying that I think there's a bit of disharmony in the players uh, whether that's direct that the club will have been there too long or whether it's with Rodgers in the way they've played, who knows, but Swartzy got it bang on. There's a few few players there that are that are upset. And I think, you know, you look at the captain um, of the club when they won the league was Morgan. He hasn't played many minutes. Siobhan Shu's come and done fantastic. If you're used to playing week in, week out, and then you're sitting on the bench and you've been that captain of the club, the leader, it's very hard to keep that same mentality and drive when you're not playing games. Okay, interesting. Right. Look, they've got, as we turn to the weekend, I mean, Friday morning, they've got a really huge game. Uh, they're at home to Sheffield United. Uh, they have to. They have to pick up points in that game. They have to turn this form around. Um, it's a big couple of days come up in terms of games because we've got Everton hosting Aston Villa. You know, Villa need to keep that at bid to survive alive. Um, Crystal Palace on Friday morning play Man United. Man United attempt to, to catch Chelsea as well. The weekend, Saturday morning, 
West Ham versus Watford. Huge for both clubs there. We're trying to make sure that they don't get dragged any, into any late drama. And then uh, Sunday morning, Bournemouth, uh, they, they host, Sunday night, sorry, they host Southampton. Now we saw Bournemouth today gallantly try to go at Manchester City. Um, had more shots than Manchester City, actually, but they couldn't produce another Leicester miracle. Do we see, we've spoken about this a while, but we're going to keep checking in. Is anyone going to emerge from that bottom three? Or um, is that Saturday night game, if both those teams can almost walk away with a draw, do they almost keep, uh, is that almost still their survival? Uh, I think it's tough for for Bournemouth. You know, they're they're still three points behind and and a game, uh, a game more, played a game more than, than Watford and West Ham. And, yeah, I think they've of late, you know, they've, they've been a little bit of a spark, you know, a good win at the weekend and, and, and then a good performance against Man City. But uh, I think it's just a little bit too late. They, they've been in the slumps for, for too long. Have uh, a few injury problems, of, you know, has, has sort of put a, a bit of span in the works, but they just haven't been good enough. Um, and, and anyhow, you know, the teams that he's had in the past have been pre-scoring and, and played really exciting football. And I think of late that hasn't, that hasn't been 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 there, so so uh, that's the reason. Just haven't been good enough, and I don't think they'll. Uh, I don't think they'll catch up. Tell you what, West Ham Watford as a draw written all over it, doesn't it, Richie? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to. It's got to, Dave. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it was the moment. Um, what they've got left, Bournemouth. They've got um, Everton to play, and they've got the Derby next game against Southampton, haven't they? The local rivals. So I, I think it's over. And you look at it, like Tommy said, the games above them have got an extra game. It's, it's, if there was any chance just to blow the whistle and say a point, we'll settle it with a point each, you, you would take it. And I just think it's going to stay the same. Uh, the bottom three is going to stay as is. And I think the love affair between Eddie Howe and Bournemouth is, mm. is going to come to an end. And I'm sure Eddie Howe will go on to, to um, manage bigger and better clubs um, because what he's done there has been nothing short of... of you know, amazing to be fair to him where he's taken them from, and so he can go out with his held head, his <laughs> head held high. There you go. Exactly, now, an incredible tenure there, and a shame it's had to end with him sort of on a on a real downward slide. There, so some massive games as ever coming up, and we're thick and fast. We're in the business end. Uh, one more midweek set to come next week, and then the final day on the twenty seventh. Australian time, a big overnight on Optus Sport where all the games will go head to head. And, um, you know, particularly with that top four race, there's a fair bit still to sort out. Um, off the field, there was a big win for Man City this week um, with the financial fair play decision overturned. And I want to drag you guys into the, you know, the minutiae of it and the legalese of it because, frankly, we don't know the answer. The full verdict hasn't really come out in terms of why exactly they were let off you're led to believe it's maybe because it happened too long ago because there's a five-year limitation. Um, but Mourinho and Klopp came out swinging yesterday about financial fair play. Um, where do you guys stand on it? Do you think it's a, it's a fallacy? Do you think there's a future to it? Do you think it actually helps the game? Um, I, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts. You know, I think on a broader, on broader spectrum, I think it's been really good for football. Um, I think in general, you look at a deficit that you know, that European clubs had, uh, you know, five years ago compared to today, there's actually, a, you know, there, there's actually making money and then you have to dive into that even more. But, but on, on a ground level, that's good. Uh, so some of it is working and, and for some clubs, I think it stemmed, you know, the bottom part, uh, you know, the, you know we, we, we've seen clubs, uh, you know, uh, Portsmouth, 
mm. other clubs who, who've really overspent QPR as well. Uh, I think it's it solved those issues, um, but at the top end, you, you you got a you got a problem. I think you you know you have PSG, you got those incredibly wealthy owners who can just pump in money and it doesn't really uh, matter. And 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 when that much money is involved, um, and you see that in business and everything else, they're just that far ahead because they can, you know, just got a bigger machine going for them, uh, lawyers, uh, everything else. Mm. And I think that's where the issue is. <laughs> and you, you end up dividing. So you, you can't have football where UEFA are fighting um, you know, one of the biggest clubs in football, mm. you know, they need to be on the same page. So how do they solve that? They need to just find some way to, you know, to, to invite these people in that want to spend a lot of money because at the end of the day, it's, it's going to enhance the game. Um, but you don't want to create an, an unfair advantage. Um, it already you know, is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and, you know, either you change the rules or, or you say, okay, um, you know, you still have to, you know, you, you, you still have to cover any, I think Gary Neville was out and said yeah. that, you know, you, you, you know, you have to be able to cover, you know, if you want to spend a hundred million, you've got to have a hundred million or if you're going to lose, you know, by overspending, you're going to lose a yeah, hundred million every year. You've got to be able to cover that. Uh, so you don't go, so you don't start losing money like we've seen other clubs do. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, but they need to change the rules. So a good way to put it to you, Bridgie, is if the Saudi Arabia consortium does come in at Newcastle, yeah. if there was financial fair play, they can certainly spend to within Newcastle's means. They have to improve the sponsorship and the revenues. So there's, there's the right percentage that they can spend. Without financial fair play, they would come in and buy every player on the planet. So with that in mind... With that in mind, you know, how, how do you, where, where do you see? Do you think Gary Neville's right in saying, if you've got the means, um, spend it? And if they're allowed to and they can cover that, why not? Well, I don't see, I do not see an issue if you have that kind of money that you cannot go and spend that. Uh, you know, it's like going into a, it's like my wife going into a clothes shop. She, I, I put financial fair play restraints on her, Dave, to be fair, when she walks into these shops because I don't want to spend on what she would like to spend. But it doesn't mean that she can't go in that shop and spend what the hell she wants. That just, you know, that's just me giving it to her. So it's uh, if they want to do that, I think they should be allowed. But it's like Tommy says, you've got to have some form of backup revenue that says if I, so I'm calling it like a safe keep. So let's just say whatever Newcastle need to cover their debts, what is ever or they're put in by that new takeover, the consortium. If they were to walk away or they were to leave, there must be a safety net that is there to balance the books is what I'm saying. You can't just go and spend it willy-nilly. You've got, they've got to give some money over and have like a safe keep so the club's future is, is safe. Uh, I don't know whether that's a way to look at it. If Does that, does that make sense? Sort yeah, of. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but again, you, yeah. you, you, can't be, you can't be sucking out value of a club, you know, or, or you know, just keep overspending, you know, just uh, in this... You know, you know, death cycle that eventually, yeah. you know, will burst at some point. You know, like Bridget said, you've got to have some, some, something in place that protects the clubs, protects the fans. Um, and, and do you want to spend, you got to be able to have that money and, uh, and show, I don't know if you put that money somewhere that as, a, as Bridget said, as a safeguard or, or how it's done. But, uh, if they leave, how many years after yeah. can they stay well, in that? In, in, 
it's a tough one because I, I I agree. I don't know how you can get fined. I mean, I was looking at the rules, Dave, and it was saying, you know, some of them, A is a warning, B is a reprimand, C is a fine, D is a deduction of points, withholding the, the revenues from the UEFA competitions. And it goes on to the final one is the withdrawal of the title on the awards. They were all the different mm-hmm. kinds. So if you're not guilty, why is there a fine if you're not guilty? Because yeah. the fine is category C. Yeah, well, that's, that's what Mourinho was saying. Mourinho was saying, where are we at here? And effectively, um, the, the, the Court of Reputation of Sports explanation was, was the fine was for City not cooperating. Hmm. So that left this real grey area. And that's where basically what Mourinho was saying is, I'm not having a shot at City. I'm not having a shot at... I'm having a shot of how, if they're guilty or they're not guilty. Which one is it? Yeah. Um, and that's where we're awaiting the full verdict because it, if it was of a technicality, a legal technicality, well, maybe there's maybe there is more to it. But you talk about that having the backstop as well, Bridgie. It might stop what happened to Wigan right now, where their owner just walked away and left them in, in the lurch um, in a business decision. So there needs to be those safeguards That's for all these guys. About the safeguard to be able to protect, you cannot just drop your your toys out the pram and walk off and walk away from what you have left behind. There's got to be some form of investment or incentive that you stay to get them to maximize your investment. Otherwise you lose potentially your, your safety net or your safety backup for that year are going to walk away from. Um, but it, it can't happen. It, it's got to, it's got to stop. But like you say, you can't stop people spending what they want to do to enhance the game because that floods down to all different levels of the game. Well, you're definitely UA for and your wife's definitely Manchester city in that power battle. There's no doubt. about it. <laughs> no doubt about that. Hey, just end off with one that came out this morning in terms of the haves and the have-nots. Thomas, did you see um, the five sub rules going to continue into next year, um, all the way through to next year's football uh, international tournaments? Um, that's a real, that's an interesting one because that was meant to be just to tie people over after COVID. But um, it is actually a bit of a game changer, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and uh, we talked about it last year, uh, sorry, last week, and, and I think actually. To some extent, it, it's good. Um, you know, it, it hands the flexibility to the manager to to make more changes, uh, to 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 keep the high level of intensity in the games. Uh, but I think you, you know, I think Bridgie pointed out that you, you've got to be able to to then also counteract a late game five substitution, you know, scenario where you, you're just killing things uh, and you making it unwatchable because it's just stop, start, stop, start. So, so potentially you say, okay, you can make the changes, but last half hour of the game, you only, you can only make uh, one or two substitutions like you would have been in the past, and and not just kill a game late on. Um, so, so I think there's some good to it, but I think there needs to be some nuances and some, some, some limitations to to when you can do those substitutions. Mm. We made we made a, a criminal error this weekend for the MPL for the for the Jaffers because we allowed four subs. Um, but you only allowed three stoppages in play to make them substitutions, like the old rules. So we'd made three subs, but we didn't do a double substitution in one of their moments. So we were warming our last sub up to say, go on, you're coming on. And then we realised that we'd missed the opportunity because we'd already had three stoppages in play. So we never told the player, he just kept warming up. Best warm-up I've ever seen. And then after the game, we apologised to him. So again, the Premier League's based around stop and start moments. They want fast, fast action. We've had the drinks breaks because of the COVID. You've got all these substitutions happening. And, and again, the MPL um, was good because some of them have got to be dual subs that you've got to make. And I think that's that's a positive that can come out of it where there's not as many stoppages. The other, the other side that I like about the five subs is that the benches are bigger. 
So what that means is there's more players getting opportunities. And I think it's a real good opportunity for the teams to get academy players in to get game day experiences if they're good enough. And they're, you know, they're one of the, it, it, there's a more expectation levels for them to be able to be around a match day squad and, and get that experience. That's a good way of putting it. I was looking at more at some of the embarrassment of riches the bigger clubs would have against the uh, the smaller teams. But I guess you can make of it what you what you want, and, and that's giving young players a go. Read something about Man United's academy. It's the four thousand four thousandth game that they have had an academy player involved in a match day squad. So mm. that's that must be that's their foundation. They always believe they need an academy player in there. And I look at the likes of Sunderland Academy that. It, it's very few and far between. So again, that's something that they need to look at um, in their academy to say, where do, how can we do this better and get more players from our academy into that first team experience? And this is, this is a way of doing it. Interesting stuff. We'll see how it plays out. A bit of a surprise, but um, yeah, we'll have it for the Euros next year as well, I believe, from, from the way I understand it. So um, there you go. Still innovating and changing things up. We'll see if it lasts in the long term. Gents, Thanks for your time today. Good to be back with you and to talk a bit of football. We're nearly at the climax, the business end. This time in a couple of weeks, the season will be over and uh, it's been a marathon, but we've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Enjoyed talking to you every single Thursday since the lockdown. Um, be well, Thomas. Keep well. Keep, uh, keep busy. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to, yeah. He's making me feel a little bit um, unfit, shall we say, because obviously I know they're in lockdown, but if anybody gets a chance, follow Tommy on his Instagram stories because this guy cycles nearly the whole, um, the old Great Ocean Road that you're going and then you're doing, you're doing trips everywhere, man. But it, it makes me feel like a right fat lazy git. So, but it's good to watch. I love seeing the outdoors of what Australia has to offer. Well, you're doing your hikes as well, so I've got to give credit the other way. <laughs> because the wife tells me I've got to go out for a little school, Tommy, but it was a bloody hike up a mountain. Uh, good stuff, boys. Good stuff. Good to chat as ever. And hey, Bridgie, by the this time we speak next week, Leeds may be a Premier League club. Who knows? There's a lot of people who are wishing you very well in that endeavour. Um, gents, thanks very much. We'll do it all again next week. And to everyone out there, as ever, till the next Gagan Pod, enjoy your football.